Good morning, St. Peter's, um, in the Atlantic Theater and at home. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, wherever that is. So please pray with me. God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. No, I cannot forget where it is that I come from. I can't forget the people who love me. Yeah, I can be myself here in this small town and people let me be just what I wanna be. I read today's gospel, grooving to the story of complaint turned proud acceptance for the place of John Cougar Mellencamp's birth. It's too small, small dreams and few opportunities, very little change, a stifling sameness, but it's also just right. Small towns are complicated like that. But John Cougar Mellencamp's lyrics, written as a love song to the idea of life in a small town, probably wouldn't resonate with Jesus when we meet him in today's reading of chapter six in Mark's gospel. In this peasant village, this small town of Nazareth, the sleepy little town where Jesus was born, the people, the community, aren't quite ready for Jesus to be who and what he wants to be. The people who loved him just a few chapters back had staged what we'd call a family intervention, believing Jesus in performing and walking in this bold, confrontational, politically radical sense of power had lost his mind. At this point in his journey, he is growing beyond societal conventions, his friends, his parents, his job as an ordinary carpenter. Life in this small town, his hometown, meant Jesus was captive to a single story. The story that said he was and could only be a carpenter, the illegitimate son of Mary, the scandalous girl now woman tied to a complicated birth story in later gospels. No, they haven't forgotten his beginnings. They can't imagine him growing beyond the constraints of their deep familial, communal learning and knowing. They can't reconcile the wisdom and power displayed through his teaching and miracles with the boy they knew. These are the people who knew him as he walked through the changes and stages of childhood, the craziness of adolescence. They knew him before he grew that beard. They couldn't see beyond his family background and social class, couldn't reconcile his humanity and divinity, couldn't find a way to make both sets of ideas about him or the way it called them to expect more of themselves exist at the same time. Surely he isn't the one spoken of in the scriptures. He can't have that kind of power. He's one of us. Jesus identifies himself as the son of man and earlier expanded the definition of just who gets to be part of his broader sense of family and community. Surely home, this small town holds a special allure, but it's not the hill he'll die on. As stated in our Old Testament reading in Ezekiel, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. 
Jesus fits the description and the scriptures foretold his coming. For Jesus, it's clear it's time to grow beyond their limited and rather stale impressions. So what begins as astonishment at his wielding of the word at home, among family, what New Testament scholar Mitzi J. Smith terms a publicly contested space, his eloquent command over the scriptures in this small town turns to suspicion and fear. Small mentality, small dreams. They haven't caught hold of the hope bubbling up around them and simply cannot see past their ordinary imaginings. They don't understand. The text says they are astounded, but it doesn't tell us why the community moves so quickly from a positive perception of Jesus's work to a negative one. But I believe the trail of resistance that followed him from the very beginning of Mark's gospel gives us clues. Read that word astounded and hear a layer of discomfort attached to it. Hear shock, panic, and with all of this, a growing sense of opposition and defiance to anything connected to this small town boy. It reads here as troubled amazement, an unsettling irritation and disturbance. It reads as fear. And it is this fear that minimizes the work of the movement, that diminishes its effectiveness, that slows its trajectory. This crack in the movement weakens the integrity of the mission and means the dream isn't its most effective. The small-minded naysayers who mean well prevent the fullness of the work to continue and because of it, the kingdom of God could not, would not draw near or come forth in that moment in their midst. It could, but it wouldn't. Jesus is speaking the promise and hope of a living God and their unbelief stifles the powerful movement of his ministry. What's missing for Jesus is the personal commitment and choice of faith. The personal commitment and choice of faith. Jesus knows opposition, he expects it. He knows the struggle of a small town. Well, I was born in a small town and I live in a small town, probably die in a small town. Oh, those small communities. This resistance, whether it actually prevents Jesus from performing or walking in and commanding a power that enables these deeds or as Matthew's gospel, compels him to cease the performance thereof, we just don't know. But we know things change, and Jesus is rather unhappily amazed by the magnitude of unbelief in this particular small town. We can pause here to hear a word about the power that rests within a community, the family of God to support or undergird Jesus's ability or desire to bring about any kind of miracle. We saw it in the healing of Jairus' daughter in the previous chapter when Jesus had to dismiss the naysayers before the girl could be revived. It matters who you have around you, who's whispering in your ear, who's in your corner. Jesus' word is, 
as it was when he calmed the storm and when the woman with the issue of blood came forth, his word centers on faith. We need faith. We need faith to make us whole. And since he doesn't have that in this small town, well, it's time to move on. The text makes a clear shift in verse six, which alludes to Jesus's response to such a negative reception. The message version says he couldn't get over their stubbornness, their weakness of faith. Jesus was thrown off by it, maybe even vexed because of it. But what does he do? He changes location. But he went about teaching. He continues his ministry, new location, new audience, same gospel. The kingdom of God is near and this mission is a matter of life and death. Jesus keeps the movement going by re-strategizing, trying something new, mobilizing the troops in different ways, equipping and empowering them to go forth, mapping out a different path. We hear this quick-paced and active theme over and over in Mark's gospel. Move, move, keep moving. He left that place, then he went, so they went. Jesus is on the move and the resistance he encounters compels him to think quickly, to be nimble and flexible, adaptive. And in doing so, to not completely stress out when things don't go as planned. Surely there exists, or someday will, um, a world in this world, a translation that breaks it down like this. Jesus ain't got time for that. <laughs> the word he knows will do its work so it's time to move. It's the gospel that creates space for these great acts of power. So although the disciples are empowered with the authority to heal and cast out demons, it's the word that does the work. Jesus knows the power of the word and what he seems to want is for it to reach as many people as possible. So he sends the 12 out in pairs and reminds them to prioritize their time with those who will welcome the message. These they encourage to believe for this new way of living by not only curing in the sense of miraculous healings, but in the sense of genuine care and concern for those entrusted to them. These were those whose lives were changed through the good news of love and hope. Church, it is time to grow up and be who God's called us to be. So let's hear and apply the lessons for today. A tendency towards small town familiarity can be dangerous. Our familiarity with the way we've done things, the things we know and won't accept as growing and changing can cause us to miss the movement of God. Our familiarity with the messenger can cause us to miss the message. And unbelief and a fair measure of fear prevented Jesus from working at full force in that small town on that day. The text tells us that the level of faith of the people, our sense of openness to the flow of the spirit can and does have an effect on the vitality of our experience as believers. Our rejection can weaken the flow of the movement. The movement of God through Jesus isn't solely dependent on it. No, it is not. 
but our level of expectancy, the way we hope and what we believe matters. It matters. As a body of believers, we've got to let go of fear and give God room to make the movement real among us. And that means being open to change. We're tapping into the power, even a bit of it, as it is given to us by God to do the work of love in the world. We're deciding to go and grow with God, whatever that looks like. And we're going to open our doors and get out in these streets and maybe apply that word about, a part, about partnership, hearing God say that we don't and should not, perhaps should not, do this work alone. God is calling us into this new and expansive way of doing ministry, and the bigger question or perhaps consideration for us is how we open ourselves to the development and growth, the possibility that lies within the person next to us, the people we do life and ministry with, the people we already know. And further still, how do we open or free ourselves to that very same kind of change? How do we free each other to live into our full potential as believers? How do we let each other be great? God makes God's self known in the ordinary and surely Jesus is sent to and shows up in the small town. But we'll encounter his power in the world even if we can't receive it from Jesus himself. Because Jesus has already set that power free, released it fully locked and loaded into the world we already inhabit. And because each of us is called to the work of evangelism, let's grab hold of it. Let's grab hold of this limitless potential and power, acknowledge it in the places and people we least expect it. Let's lean into the prophets before us as they help us understand what's going on and compel us to do something about it together. Let's share and show what we believe. Let's make our God known. Amen.